Welcome to the Marketing Society podcast. I'm Sarah Woodley, Chief Commercial Officer at the Society, and I'm delighted to be joined today by Chris Dunn, Head of Marketing at Thinkbox, and Anna McNally, Head of Marketing Communications at Camelot, and Rachel Moss, Head of Marketing Strategy and Media at Camelot. And in today's podcast, we will be discussing the National Lottery's winning case study and the Marketing Society's annual awards, leading to them winning the Brand Communication Strategy. We're really excited to be hearing from you today, but before we get into the conversation, let's begin with some introductions. Shall we start with you, Chris? Thanks so much, Sarah. Uh, my name is Chris Dunn. As Sarah said, I am Head of Marketing at Thinkbox. And Thinkbox, we exist to help advertisers and their agency partners get the most out of TV. And when a great TV case study comes along like this, uh, it's something we want to shout about as much as possible. And an added bonus when it has one of the best ads of the last 12 months at the heart of it. So I'm completely thrilled to be talking to Rachel and Anna from Camelot. And a quick backstory, I met Anna and Rachel just under a year ago, actually at the Marketing Society annual lecture. And we were networking and everything afterwards and got on to talking about latest campaigns. So it was, it was kind of the, the day before you're about to go live and you were very good. You didn't really reveal too much, but you were clearly very excited about what the world was about to see. So it was wonderful when that uh, was launched the following day and we could be in touch and say, hey, it was as good. It is as good uh, as uh, we're expecting it to be. So I'm completely thrilled. Lovely to see you both. Um, let's hear a little bit from uh, from you, a bit of background, who you are, for those who don't know you. Why don't we start with Rachel? Hi, Chris. Oh, my goodness. It feels like yesterday we were um, waiting for the launch. I've been at Camelot for about 10 years now. Um, prior to that, I worked in FMCG. So I've worked on brands like Mr. Kipling and Terry's Chocolate Orange, another Christmas favourite. And since joining Camelot, I've been working on Euromillions Lotto, our instance brand, and then most recently heading up marketing strategy and media. Um, outside of work, I'm married to Chris. We've got a nine-year-old son. We've just got a puppy. And um, I try my hardest um, to make my garden look lovely. And I think I could really have done with Byron Sharp writing how gardens grow as opposed to how brands grow to help me um, find my way forth of that. Perhaps a retirement idea for Byron Sharp there. We'll, uh, we'll send that his way. Um, Anna, love to hear a bit about yourself too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just realising how much we've got in common, Rachel. I am a dog lover, so I've got my dog. He is my baby. I have no children. He is my child. Um, and I've recently taken up the hobby of gardening. I've moved house recently. I've now got a beautiful garden. I'm probably not as good as Rachel at the gardening, but I'm definitely giving it a good go. I've been at Camelot forever. I've been at Camelot for almost 20 years now. I started off in the studio as a creative assistant, and I've wiggled my way around the world in marketing um, and I'm now heading up the uh, marketing communications team. So looking after all the marketing managers and creating amazing work, which I would absolutely agree with you, Chris, that Christmas was one of those amazing moments for us. Well, let's get into it then. So how the National Lottery stole Christmas. So let's go back to the beginning then. So say early 2022, when you're at the planning stages for what would become this campaign, what was happening for the brand at that point? Where were you? What, what, what was your outlook? Well, to be honest, this kind of challenge set ourselves up a little bit be, um, before that in about 2021, when we knew that we were coming to the end of the license. We knew that 
innovation wouldn't be there and as present as it had been, but we knew we had marketing investment and particular media to lean upon. And jointly as a team, we wanted to do our best ever work. And that was almost the fire that sat within our bellies that we're like, actually, there's a massive opportunity. We, the National Lottery still has so many stories to say. And how do we run with that and do something different in the, in the last moments of the licence? And you arrived at Christmas. This is the, the thing that I would think is surprising about this paper when you read it is, uh, you know, what took you to decide for the first time to focus on Christmas? Well, I think this is where insight really plays its part. So our overarching strategic vision for the National Lottery for a long time has been to make it relevant to consumers. And what we decided to do is to get under the skin of what really mattered to them and how we could tap into something different in that kind of like post-COVID era, what was going on. Like I said, we didn't have any innovation. And the consumer insight told us two things, that what really mattered to customers was personal intimate moments and positive shared memories. So spending time with friends and family. And so thinking consumer first, we mapped out everything that the National Lottery was doing in the coming year. And also the stuff that consumers wanted to do and wanted to be a part of and actually there's a real moment where Christmas where we have a natural peak in sales laddered on top of of what can what matters to consumers so so all of a sudden here we go Christmas is the moment and we did like an x and y, y diagram of everything that had mattered and we had you know sporting events we had stuff that mattered to our brand but not necessarily as much to consumers and that sweet spot put Christmas top right on this axis that it was going to be a must-do event for us. And I think certainly last Christmas it was promised to be a big one, wasn't it? Because we'd had a couple of quite shaky ones. So, you know, it, the anticipation was there. People really wanted to uh, focus on that celebration. So so a good time to do it. So, so doing something quite new like this, going into that season for the first time, I'm assuming would have had a fair few challenges to to uh, you know, convince teams or and internally, you know, to 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 focus on this time of year. So tell us a bit about that. So I think to a certain extent we had quite a lot of credibility because we'd really continued brand investment during COVID. That had demonstrated significant business results for us. And we due to the changes in our customer base, we started to make our consumer plan much more customer facing and how we thought and the activations we made and our marketing investment generally gets good ROIs but Keith in particular our CMO really wasn't up for making a Christmas ad because it's so expensive you know when you decide to play on Christmas you're playing with all the big boys you know the cost of creating a brilliant ad you know the bigger budgets that all the Christmas players and that wasn't really in our mindset and we didn't tend to spend. So yes, we had a sales peak, but we didn't tend to spend or over-invest. So we had two or three meetings with him. So Anna and I spent quite a lot of time sitting together, unpacking the insight, writing a story of how it would feel, liaising with our agency teams to make it really you know, poignant for him. And also reflecting on the journey we'd been on as a brand through COVID and the Olympics. And then also going to him, having a either sometimes a formal meeting, allowing him to reflect, or we pick up the phone. Christmas is a great idea, Keith. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't think this is the right idea. Okay, well, reflect again. And then we got to the ex this extent where I think he realized that it could be an opportunity. He could see that we'd really embedded the insight in the thinking. 
and it got to the stage where he well I had a conversation with him he goes oh I was talking to Nigel who I, I'll see you at the time and I was telling him yeah we're talking about my great idea about Christmas and I knew at that moment if Christmas was his idea we were off and up and running and I also think the background to that is our whole plan that year and this year as well has been constructed around moments that matter to consumers of which Christmas would be the peak we also tapped into the platinum and jubilee the summer of sport with the commonwealth games but it's almost like you know we're just waiting for the biggest moment of the year and exactly as you said chris where consumers have been waiting for christmas and we knew that they would everything was just they were just going to go stuff it i'm up for christmas i'm here and the national lottery was going to be there but it's ultimately that sweet spot between you know business buy-in and consumer need and that would allow us, we believe, to maximise playership sales and our reason for being in the National Lottery returns to good causes. Now, that is a, a masterclass in <laughs> getting something over the line internally, you know, so I hope anyone listening is uh, taking some notes on that. Okay, so yes, we are, we're on board with the idea and then you move into developing uh, what would come to be this amazing creative platform in this story. So tell us a bit about the insight that, went into the development of that creative idea perhaps this is one for you Anna yes I suppose it builds on the stuff that Rachel was just talking about you know these key human truths that we we learned about earlier on in the consumer plan and when we delve a little bit more into Christmas as you said we'd had two years of Covid Christmases don't want to go back there again we had a war we had the cost of living crisis but when we spoke to consumers really they told us that when it comes to Christmas, they just want to sack it all off. You know, almost all that stuff that's gone before becomes irrelevant. Um, people think that Christmas brings more luck, more love, more joy. And the best thing about Christmas is that shared time together, those moments when actually you go to extraordinary lengths to sort of do something amazing for your loved ones. And so really, really wanted to tap into that and make what we did an amazing offer for consumers you know that the idea of hope that possibility the idea that actually everything could change at christmas we got a lovely quote from one of the people that we spoke to around oh my god it would be amazing to win the national tree but how more amazing would it be to win at christmas so again just you know elevating what is already um true of the national lottery but just sort of taking it up a you know another level for Christmas time. Wonderful. Uh, okay, so tell us a bit then about your next stage of the of the process. So yeah, you've got uh, you know media is obviously on your mind because of the the premium time of year. Um, but uh, talk to us about the briefing process, how you brought agencies together to start to kick that off. I think the key thing for us was briefing both agencies together. I think, you know, to Rachel's point, we've done a great job internally to get buy-in. We knew what consumers wanted. And because we'd never done this before, and you know, working with our long, long-lasting agency partners, we wanted them to realise that we meant it. <laughs> I imagine lots of clients go to their agencies and go, oh, we want to do a big Christmas, but not really have the budget and not really have the ambition. And so we thought it was really important that we really helped them understand that we weren't just saying this. We didn't just want some pretty slides. We absolutely wanted to do the biggest and best Christmas ever for the National Lottery. You know, we wanted to go up against the the Christmas titans, as we call them, um, and do something that was really brave and really different. So I think briefing them together in a room face to face and getting them to feel that ambition, I think was so important and 
what agencies don't want to hear about a big exciting brief but I think as well them knowing that we meant it was also the galvanizing it was definitely a galvanizing moment yeah it's so important that isn't it because going into that for the first time as you said you're amongst the titans this is our super bowl it's all eyes on it's when the general public gets incredibly excited about what we do in this industry so you know doing it 100% knowing that everyone's behind it so crucial so okay great now let's get on to the bit that I like, which is the development of the creative. You know, we make TV ads at Thinkbox every couple of years. It is a, a complete highlight of what we do here to be able to bring the story to life and get it onto screens. So what do you remember about the beginning of that process, first time you saw the script and, and how it developed on from then? Yeah, so we were quite lucky, actually, because we just delivered an amazing campaign called The Chase. And so we felt that we were on to a winning formula when it comes to the National Lottery. Um, so the chase was really a first for us around focusing on winning, you know, bringing, bringing to life the idea that actually winning the National Lottery isn't just about prizes. It's about the things that people can do when they win. It was about a great British caper, a great British story that almost, you know, all works out in the end that leaves you with that warm, fuzzy feeling at the end. And also we had our distinctive asset, which was our pink ticket. So we had a few things in our armory that we knew was a winning formula for us. And I suppose our question to the agency was, you know, if the chase was our summer adventure story, what would be our Christmas story? Now they presented the idea to us on the hottest day of the year in the summer. I remember it very well, we were in Watford. They came with Christmas hats on, sweating. I'm sure they won't mind me saying. And I just knew as soon, you know, as soon as you hear an idea, as soon as they bring it to life through a script and through, through some key visuals, you just get that feeling that, you know, and it really made me think of love actually. So, you know, I'm a real fan of, you know, those rom-coms and um, I just got this sense that actually this is a, this is a British story brought to life at Christmas and I just looked around the room and you sort of don't want to give a, give away how you're feeling straight away, right? You're trying to keep this poker face, but I was giving my team the eyes and we just knew. We just knew from the moment we heard it that we were onto something amazing. It's a great feeling that, isn't it? When you hear that script and you're like, it's, it's a relief at the same time, but it's also a really exciting feeling to know that something special is going to happen. So uh, I was really interested to read that you had Tom Hooper as director on the ad. We'll talk about that in a second, but why don't you just, for those who haven't seen it, give us a quick synopsis of what happens in the in the piece. Yeah, so I suppose it's quite simple, really. Boy meets girl on a train. They instantly fall in love. They lose a sense of time whilst they're chatting on their journey. But all of a sudden, she realises that it's her stop, so she has to rush off the train. He panics, tries to get her his phone number realises he's got a lottery ticket in his back pocket, so scribbles that on there, throws it out the window as the train leaves the platform. Unfortunately, the number is smudged. So she's like, ah, how am I going to get hold of this guy that I've fallen in love with? And I suppose to cut a long story short, they do get together in the end and they happen to fall in love and win the lottery and live happily ever after. I mean, it's not a bad Christmas, that is it. <laughs> so Tom Hooper, I mentioned, an Oscar-winning director, what was the experience of working with him? Because that's, you know, it's quite a big name to attach to, to what's a, a hugely important project for you. I knew something was going on because the agencies were extremely excited to talk to us about directors. 
And when they finally shared the, obviously they went out and they spoke to lots of directors and they came back with a very strong recommendation, which was Tom. And they were just like, we have to use this guy, you know, he's Oscar winning. He will do an amazing job for us. And as soon as we met him, I was a little bit starstruck, I'm not going to lie. Um, but as soon as he started talking and explaining how he saw this playing out and his vision for it, I just got a real sense this wasn't a normal relationship we were about to enter. I felt like he was really committed. He really believed in the story. He was absolutely obsessed by the cast. He wanted to make sure that these two people that met um, had real chemistry and really could bring to life the story, the love story that we were looking for. And I just, I was just in awe of how dedicated he was all the way through, right from meeting him from day one, all the way through pre-production, and then literally right up to the day before launch. You know, those play out deadlines are looming. The account team are going, we've got to get this out the door. And Tom is still tinkering with the music together with Ben, um, Adam and Eve. So, you know, definitely an amazing experience. A little bit starstruck to begin with, but completely in the gang all the way through to the end. And he's doing other great work now as well. I mean, the the Vanish ad, me, my autism and I is just magnificent. So great to have his hands on our ads. So you talked a little bit earlier about the, the daunting task of going in at Christmas against all the other advertising titans, but I think timing's quite crucial in these things as well. So you decided to go a little later than a lot of the other Christmas campaigns breaking. So what was, the, what was behind the decision for that? Well, Two reasons, one being budget. So we were only spending, and I know for some brands, this will be a lot of money, £16 million. But there are Christmas brands out there who are spending tens of million. And £16 million is nowhere near the budget of the big Christmas players. And those early weeks of November, anyone who spends on telly will know are super expensive. And also cluttered with everyone else launching their Christmas ads, not to mention Black Friday. And then last year as well, not only did we want to play in Christmas, but the year we decided to play in Christmas was the year of the World Cup. So we had to work out how do we navigate the Christmas media market as well as the sporting media market, which again, loads of advertisers who don't tend to advertisers advertise pile in. So we really need to focus on our business ambition and our consumer behavior and What's fascinating about lottery tickets is even though you can buy that Saturday night lottery ticket all week, our players will wait to the last hour and a half before the draw before they buy. So really thinking about, you know, as a brand owner, we think about our brands all of our, all the time. Our consumers don't think about our brands that much. So how do we think about consumer lottery behavior the Christmas environment and that last minuteness. So we're like, actually, we're going to go later because our Christmas peaks later. So let's architect our spend to navigate the World Cup and save a bit of money by going slightly later on in the period, knowing that December is really our month. And that that was it. Budget, budget and timing. And the launch was with the 60. You used a, a, a beautiful, epic 60-second uh, ad to launch it. So... Uh, I'm always interested to hear about what you feel is the role of a 60 second cut versus 30 seconds. You know, is it important in terms of the storytelling, the the emotion that you can build over that time? Do you know what? I'm genuinely not the biggest fan of a 60. In fact, but what was unique about this ad was we had a three minute cut that was brilliant, but we also had a 30 second cut which was also awesome. And the 60 second really sat in the middle in terms of telling 
a brilliant emotive story that you want everybody to hear and see but actually the effect you know was nearly just as as effective as that 30 so to be able to celebrate and put your ad placements in the right point for the consumer in that emotive time that is Christmas it's what makes it special you know we're all you know Anna talked up front about how you know you sack it off for Christmas you're a little bit more indulgent so why not put a brilliant ad out for your customers just to make them feel something we've been on such a journey with this ad that we wanted to share it and ultimately consumers did love it and it enhanced the overall impact of the campaign yeah i mean it, it, it does launch with a bang when you have a story like that to tell i think um what uh, what do you remember about the launch itself re- reactions from pe- from the public or uh, people internally i loved every second of it you know we started, I suppose, as Rachel said, we started this journey right at the beginning of the financial year. So our financial year starts in April. We we heard about the idea, first of all, in the, the heat of summer. And then you're working on this thing day in, day out. And you just, you're desperate. You know, I, I saw you the day before it launched, desperate to share it. And I was just, I was so pleased of the reaction. I think to create something for our teams internally, the business internally, something they can be proud of is a real isn't a real amazing opportunity, a real privilege. And then hearing that people want to speak to you about it. So, you know, the the media getting involved and wanting to hear about the story behind the story. And I suppose the biggest thing for me was my mum ringing me up. Like my mum still to this day doesn't really know what I do. She plays the lottery. She never talks about ads. She called me up and she was like, I've just seen your lottery ad and I love it. So the fact that, you know, it got her in the heart to the point where she wanted to call me up and tell me it was good, I think told me we weren't just doing it for internal reasons. We weren't just doing it for, you know, awards. We were doing it for the people that played and it actually meant something and they felt something. So, yeah, very special time for us. Just building on that point, I think, you know, so often you make ads and they don't cut through with anyone you would like not even sometimes the people you work with who are most committed to to the brand you're working on but when people talk to you about an ad then that that's really special that means that people it, you've you've made something that's it, that's got people in their hearts and I think that's exactly like Anna says you know her mum calling her up or people go oh I've seen something from the National Lottery but then also the buzz and level of pride that comes through the business as well because they're like oh other people are talking about the work that you're doing so it just creates this amazing ripple effect that is really personal but builds and makes people realize that everybody is pulling together to do an incredible 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 job yeah that is the power it really is so let's have a chat about results what can you share about the impact it's had? We talked about the kind of the the, the softer impact on the organisation, but what about you know these things come down to brass tacks and sales? So what can you tell us about what it's delivered in the short term and and what you've seen uh, you know longer term down the line from it? Well, it's quite interesting because when we were writing the brief, I think when we said we wanted to create a player participation peak, people thought we were you know being over ambitious. But when we actually created, delivered the highest levels of lottery participation since before the pandemic in January 2020, when 52% of people played the lottery in, in, in a given week over Christmas, and that then transpired a lovely nugget was actually more people than ate turkey in the UK over Christmas. 
really makes you feel proud. We exceeded our sales targets for the um, period. And also we put a Lotto Christmas event, which again was the best ever event we put into the, pl- into the plan in terms of sales performance. So it's not just the fluffy stuff that there was a beautiful ad that was our best ever re- ad as rated by System 1. Um, you know, we were hugely proud, weren't we, Anna, that we got our first ever five-star ad on their, on their tracking database, which is something we've been striving for for a long time. And then the number of brand metrics that shifted. So that was almost in the Christmas moment. And then actually in our quarter four, which is the first three months of January, you know, the first three months of the year, January, February, March, we actually saw a shift in awareness and consideration of the national issue brand. So almost that Christmas effort and energy then played out in more people being aware of and considering playing the national lottery. So I think we, without being kind of like blowing our own trumpets, we smashed it. That's a nice feeling, isn't it? <laughs> um, you mentioned there briefly, I think, about uh, events and other things that you did around it. So you know, obviously I'm happy to talk all day long about the TV element, but other media are available. So tell us a bit about how the idea was integrated across different channels. Oh, my goodness. We did a whole host of things. And we always talked about how do we do really lean into the insight about shared moments and memories and really build brand activations in and around that. And particularly, as Anna mentioned, you know, love actually being part of the inspiration. So one of the things, love actually is also National Lottery funded film. So we put that on in cinemas across the country and offered our players, if they had a National Lottery ticket, to be able to come and have a really special evening watching Love Actually with drinks and fr- free drinks and popcorn in a, in a local cinema. We also did a special concert for, again, we called the National Lottery's Big Bash, which we, again, got our players to apply for tickets and put an event on at Wembley Arena and which was broadcast on ITV on New Year's Eve. So a real big party. So again, more moments and magical and magical memories. And then we also did some, you know, exper- experiential as part of the campaign itself in terms of we had a band who played in the ad. They also did two gigs for us, one in Waterloo Station and one in Birmingham, where we were able to kind of, you know, get consumers to get involved get pictures of themselves holding lottery tickets and get um, projected up onto the big screen in in the station so just a bit of fun and then also we got that band to come into our internal christmas meeting and our ceo ended up on stage playing the cymbals with the band so yeah so we did we also did i think it was one of the biggest ever poster campaigns i think we had about ten thousand different poster sites across the country over christmas and i know so I live out um, in the Chilterns and very rarely see our out of home, out and about. I think I was driving around one weekend and I saw it about eight times and I was like, yes, we've done it. We have covered the country in, in Christmas because if I'm seeing it, it's it's definitely out and about. Yeah, full full Christmas coverage. And you know, it almost takes a life of its own, doesn't it? You know, in people activating with it on the street and, and feeling part of it. We're starting to run out of time, very sadly, but I would love to hear a bit about the future and what you think the legacy of this campaign uh, is for you moving forward. How has it fed into what you have done creatively since or how has it fed into what you might do this Christmas? Yeah, I think the main word for me is confidence. What the campaign has done for us internally has almost helped us 
realize that we are an amazing team and we could do some amazing work both within our own teams but also within the agencies as well we now know what great work feels like and we know how to build that work into something bigger and better we recently launched our summer campaign called pockets and that was quite scary because off the back of something like christmas you don't want to go backwards everyone's got really big expectations of what you're going to deliver next time and i think it was really important for us to remind ourselves that you know those insights are so important those intimate stories those shared moments of hope and possibility is still what people are looking for what people are craving for and so yeah we we went into the summer with loads of confidence but also we knew what we were looking for and the agencies knew that if they did something great we'd buy it so almost you know that the agencies were going around trying to calm all the creatives down going you can't all work on this brief we have to pick we have to pick a few of you so yeah i think you know we've now got a super confident team they know what great work looks like and unless it's great it's just not good enough Oh, good. I just even just reflecting on this, Chris, it just makes me so proud, so proud. And I guess now might be the time to say that it was so good when we're bringing it back. So as we said up front, you know, Christmas is a huge investment and to make a brilliant ad takes money and time and effort and energy. And I think the effectiveness of this ad not just it's creatively, but also in terms of its return on the investment. You know, when when we finally got Keith to sign up for Christmas, he goes, oh, let's do it for two years. So almost that was the deal. Go big or go home, but actually go big and repeat it. So we're glad we did a brilliant job because what we, we know and we're really confident that we are bringing back brilliant work. Yes, we're making some tweaks and, and updating the um, bits and pieces around it, but um, it's really exciting to know that that adds got another season in it i love that is that is that a marketing society podcast exclusive it is hey (laughs) well you know i'm sure it'd be very welcome as well that's one of the great things about christmas isn't it you know the familiarity of seeing something that we love so i'm sure it will do incredibly well once again and perhaps a little phone call to itv to get it scheduled in love actually which i'm sure will be on a couple of times at least that's a, a little challenge for the media agency. So finally, I did get the chance to catch up with you at the Marketing Society Awards. So I'd love to hear how it felt to win. It's always nice to get that recognition. So any memories from that, what it was to take that uh, trophy away that night? It's a huge privilege, I think. So you're up against such incredible competition. And also you all know the effort that it takes to write those 3,000 words. And whilst it's not as complicated as an IPA effectiveness paper, it is a fairly heavy lift to make sure your story's there, your evidence is there, and then to win out and to take it back to the team, and particularly the Christmas campaign, every single member of our nearly 70-odd marketing team worked on that campaign. So to be able to take back a win is just really, really special. We obviously saw that we were nominated, but then to find out we were the actual winners was just, you know, it was just mind blowing. Rachel stood up straight away. She grabbed hold of my hand. She dragged me onto that stage. And then it was just, I don't really remember anything after that. But yeah, back to what Rachel said, just the next day, sharing the news of the team, that trophy. We need to get a trophy cabinet, Rachel. I don't think it's on the shelf at the moment. We need to get a proper trophy cabinet. But yeah, just sharing that, that, that trophy with the team. It's just 
very, very special. Yeah, you were in my line of sight actually. Your table when uh, when it was announced, so I was I was already watching to see uh, if it would be you and uh, the reaction. It's yeah, wonderful to see. Wonderful. Uh, last word then. Um, how about a piece of advice? Uh, the Marketing Society Awards cycle is going to come rolling round sooner than you know it. Any advice for anyone thinking of taking part and applying? I'd say do it, but don't just do it for the win. I think it's a great opportunity to reflect on your work over the previous year. And so often we're moving on in marketing to the next campaign, the next the next challenge. But to use it as an opportunity to reflect, reflect on what you did. We also entered Brand Team of the Year and came runner-up. And one of the things we did, you know, once we did the award submission, is share it with the whole team to engage, inspire them, and thank them for all their effort. And it just... It just shows that, you know, we do this work, but actually the effort and the, you know, whether it's the kind of points on your CV or whatever, it means it's not just what you deliver and the team you deliver it with, but also the value you add to the business. And as ultimately, as marketers, that's what we want to do, add business value. So to be able to do that, not just in terms of business results, but actually, you know, showcase that we're an award-winning marketing team is just such a special feeling. Right. Well, we could keep chatting. But we all have things to do. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to say thank you so much, Rachel and Anna. It's a complete pleasure to talk to you about this fantastic campaign. It's one of our favourites of the year last year. And yeah, I'm very excited to be able to see it again on Teleboxes very soon. Uh, so lovely to speak to you. And we'll wrap up with Sarah. Guys, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing the story behind your winning campaign. You've been so animated in reliving the experience and clearly there are lots of fond memories that were had in the making of the ad and the successes to follow and as you say the team's best work and where the nation played the lottery more than they ate turkey I love that and as Thomas Barter says doing marketing isn't the same as leading marketing and to achieve great things it's not just about getting the fundamentals right but it's having the foresight to see what's coming, but also to convince the others around you. And as you've clearly described that along your journey, we thoroughly enjoy speaking with you guys today. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And if you have any comments, please feel free to share on socials as we'd love to continue the conversation there. Thank you all once again.